And so in the scriptures, in the New Testament in particular, in the New Testament in particular, there are 116 one another statements. 116 in the New Testament. Out of those 116 one another statements, it speaks of community. I need you and you need me. We need each other. 116 times that phrase appears. And it could, be, it could be categorized or placed into 13, depending on how you organize it, into anywhere from 13 to 16 categories, those one another statements. We're going to attempt to introduce them this morning. I'll just tell you what all 13 are, and then we'll see how far we get with them. But number one, and Kelly, just go ahead. We'll put the list one after the other. Number one, love one another. Pray for one another. Build up one another. Give preference. Come on, somebody. Stop long enough to take yourself off the throne and help somebody else get ahead. That's what authentic community looks like. Instead of every single decision revolving around just me. Give preference. Let somebody else go first. Oh, here's the other one. Serve one another. Do not judge. When all these statements are lifted from Scripture, I ain't come up with this. It's in the Bible, and we'll get to it over the next several weeks. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Felt like sweet brown on that. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fall. <laughs> Be patient with one another. This is what authentic community, when the church is being the church, when the church is what it's supposed to look like, these are the things we'll see in how we engage and interact with one another. Verse um, number eight. Oh, Lord. Forgive. <laughs> this one's going to be a good one. Confess your fault here. Here it is. Yes, the transparency, the vulnerability. Confess your faults to one another. You know what the rest of that verse says? Confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. You wonder why most of us walk around sick, broke, broken on the inside emotionally? Because we won't tell nobody. If confession only belonged to God, James, who was the brother of Jesus, would have said, confess your faults to God that you may be healed. Confess your faults to God. No. Confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. Okay? Number 10, look at that. Comfort one another. <laughs> Comfort one another. In your time, your neighbor's time of affliction and adversity, comfort them. Comfort them. Uh, number 11. Oh, <laughs> this is one of the ones that I have, right? Because we're going to, I, I love to receive one another. This is a good one. And we've lost the art of receiving people into our lives. Instead of receiving people in our lives, this is how we, we keep everybody at a distance. But the scripture says, receive one another. Take each other in. Pastor Ray making none of this up is from the Bible. 116 times. Do you think maybe God was trying to teach us something? 
and help us see something that should be a priority for us as Christians. And we have become islands unto ourselves, and we've justified, oh, yeah, I'm just a private person. Not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. Not there. And if we're going to be devoted Christ followers, that is part of what we have to let go if our lives are going to be shaped by the gospel. Number 12, be of the same mind toward one another. That's, do I have that one or do you have that? I think you have that one. Be of the same mind. You know what that means? Do not have a double standard of how you treat people. Be of the same mind. Whether you're black, white, rich, poor, single or married, same standard for everybody. For everybody. Be of the same mind. I'm not going to treat Tony one way and treat Jalen another way. Be of the same mind. And how far we have fallen. As Christians... The double standards in how we treat each other. We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. Because I said to myself, it, this is the church that we, sh- we are becoming by the grace of God. And I need to be crystal clear on who we are as a church. And what is unacceptable and what is acceptable and what is expected of us as Christ's followers, not because it's the Ray Harmon standard, but because it's the word of God. Okay. Number 13, Lord Jesus. Just have peace (laughs) with one another. I've seen people leave our church. Because someone from their old life started coming to church here. And even though they loved this church, they hated those people. And said, I can't be in the same building with those people. Yet we all love Jesus. And we have no room in our hearts to have peace with one another. Unacceptable. And we've made it okay. That I'm just going to have beef for years. Yet the scripture says have peace with one another. So, <clears throat> I think we're just going to touch on a couple of these. And then we'll just we'll pick up next week. Okay? Uh, you haven't said anything. So I'm going to go real quick. <laughs> I wonder why. Okay, so I'm going to go quick. Number one was love one another. There's so many passages in Scripture about what love looks like. But let me tell you the one I chose, the one I picked for myself, for, specifically for this message. And if you're, if, you're, if you're a note taker, all these notes are on you version, all right? So can you put the slide with the instructions for you version on there just in case somebody wants to follow along? So this is how you access our notes on version. Okay, you can save those notes. You can revisit them later. <laughs> Love one another. Come on, somebody. I see my, my buddy, Tony Del Sol, is in the house. Thanks for being with us. Good to see you, bud. Love one another. Now, there's so many passages we could have picked, Steve, 
when it comes to love. 1 Corinthians 13. Could have read John 13, greater love had no man than this. Could have read, you know, again, where Jesus said, what's the greatest commandment? Greatest commandment is love. Let me tell you the one I picked. It's 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, somewhat of an obscure verse of Scripture as it relates to our love walk, the invitation to love one another. Listen to what it says. It says, in sincere love. Come on, somebody. You know what that infers? It infers that there is a love that is not sincere, that is hypocritical. That is not genuine, that's not real. We live in a world that's looking for real love. A diamond, not a cubic zirconium. And that's what most of us bring to the table. He says this, again, let me, let me reiterate it, in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently. You see that? You see that adjective or that adverb fervently? Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Let me just tell you what that word fervently means. It means earnestly. It means intensely. But let me tell you even more specifically what that word love means. It comes from a Greek verb that means to stretch your hand towards something. You know the love that he's talking about? When he invites us to love one another fervently, is he saying, I want you to love one another so much that you stretch to express it. Give me that rubber band off your hand, man. I was looking, this whole time I've been preaching, I was like, man, I know somebody got a rubber band somewhere. (laughs) This is what our lives look like without our choice to love somebody. Just kind of limp, no tension, no rigidity. But when I look to someone and I choose to begin to love them, I begin to stretch. I begin to stretch. And as I stretch, my capacity grows. Somebody wondering how, <laughs> is that thing going to snap? Especially Y'all scared for me. You, especially you? Okay, my bad. Let me put it on my daughter Nia. No. But this is what it looks like to stretch. That's what our love should look like. That when people come into our lives, not just the ones we like, Because the scripture says, if you love somebody who loves you, you ain't done nothing. It's in the scripture, 1 Peter. Just to love somebody who loves you back is nothing. Don't pat yourself on the back for that. The true measure of love is when your love walk, your ability to treat somebody well after you've been despised is measured by your ability to love somebody to the point of stretching when they have been unlovable. That's what he says, love fervently. It means to stretch your capacity to love. So just real quick, real quick, real quick, there's there's a reason I'm asking you to do this. I want you just real quick, I just want you to raise your hand up as far as you can. Everybody. Oh, (laughs) very good. Now I want you just a little bit higher, just go a little bit higher. Now a little bit higher. (laughs) Good job, Titch. 
the CrossFit guy. You can put your hands down. Very good, by the way, Titch. The whole point of that simple exercise was simply this. When I gave you the instruction, I said, stretch your hands as high as you can. But then the second instruction was, go a little bit higher. That means the first time you didn't go as high as you could. The third time I said, go even a little bit higher. You stretched your capacity. You know what that infers? That a lot of times in life, we don't give it our all. We hold something back. Even though I said, stretch your hands as high as you can, you held something back. I held something back. Most of us in this room held something back except Titch. And what that means is when God tells us to love, most of us only stretch this high. But when he says love fervently, what he's saying is go a little bit higher. It's in you to do it. It is in you to go a little bit higher with that person. Stretch a little bit long, more. Just go. Just go a little bit more because it's in you. You know why? Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts. That means it's been poured out profusely. Love one another. When was the last time, and I'm going to turn it over to my wife, you loved someone with a fervent love beyond what was comfortable? Because let me tell you something about stretching. Stretching hurts. It hurts. Stretching that hamstring before that walk, if you stretch real good, it's going to hurt. It's going to pull on you. I ain't talking about love that is just convenient. And I've been telling people, in fact, let me say it this way. When was the last time you reevaluated your friendships? When was the last time you even reevaluated the criteria for your friendships? Because, oh, yeah, that's my friend. That's my friend. You got 2,000 friends on Facebook. Are they really a friend? Because the biblical definition for what a friend is, is a brother is born for adversity. Beware of people who are only around you and love you when it's convenient for them. I get that all the time as a pastor, y'all. Stay around as long as it is only convenient for them. But in your adversity, not there. Unwilling to stretch. Yeah, let me say that again. <laughs> let me, sorry, Tony, I didn't get that. That's what it said. That's what it said. I'll, I'll say it again. Love fervently. When was the last time you stretched? Not just for strangers, but the person closest to you. When was the last time in your heart you stretched a little bit or did you just say, when you can go that far. That's what it means to love fervently. And that's the kind of church that God is calling us to be. Not love when it's convenient or when it's comfortable, but to stretch beyond what we thought we were capable of. We can do it. You can do it. Number two, why don't you take that? And then we'll wrap up. Number two is pray for one another. And our scripture references from James 5, verse 16, uh, parts B and C of that verse. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, 
fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And this is something, this is a condition for us, uh, a, a commandment. God is telling us to pray for one another. And each of us here are at different uh, spiritual maturity levels. Know that you can pray. Prayer is not just designated to church leadership, to the pastors, but we are to pray for one another. Prayer is simply talking to God. I think we've made, as church leadership, we've made prayer seem very difficult. You don't have to know a scripture. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't have to have your head bowed. Those types of things show honor and reverence to God. When we teach the children in children's church prayer, we just say it's talking to God. So in church, I tell them, you see, Ms. Waleska is over here. Mr. Sean is over there. You're in a safe place. And so because we have protection, you can close your eyes and bow your heads. That's showing God honor. And I give them an example. When I was about eight years old, I had gone to visit my aunt in Connecticut, and we were just riding bikes. I was riding bikes with my cousin, and somebody, you know, the the little hound dogs, the hunting dogs with the long ears, the pretty white, brown, and black. Well, we're riding. We're in Connecticut. I'm just feeling big time because I'm from Michigan, and this hunting dog gets out of his fence and is chasing us. I didn't grow up with dogs. I've never been attacked, but I have always, well, I'm free, but I used to always be very afraid of dogs. To pray while I'm riding down a hill in Hartford, Connecticut, and I'm being chased by a dog, is not a time for me to bow my head and close my eyes. And I tell the kids this story. The dog just wanted to have fun. I was, like, spazzing out. I am pedaling, and I am screaming, Jesus! Jesus! And I am just pedaling, and I'm thinking I'm going to crash. And the dog was just barking. I think he was just having fun. Well, we finally get away, and I tell the kids that the Lord was with me because the dog did not catch up, and I did not get bit. (laughs) But praying for one another, it is just simply talking to God. Don't feel that you have to pray for the whole world. Ray has to remind me of that when I do the transition prayer because I'm a talker. So when I talk to God, then I forget that it's only the transition prayer, and he will tease me at home. He says, now, baby, you're doing a transition prayer. You don't have to pray for the whole world. And and I'm trying to bring it in. So I tell you, as we pray for one another, you don't have to pray for the, the whole world. You can just pick one person. We're pretty transparent. Even though we don't give you names, we'll say, you know, there's somebody among us that is struggling. If you could just, you know, say, Lord, that person that is at City Church that's struggling, I just lift them up. We are to pray for one another. Uh, And it goes back to what Ray was saying about koinonia, is that there is joint participation even with prayer. Even with prayer. If you don't know, if you haven't formed relationships yet, and you don't know who to pray for here at City Church, you can pray for a family member co-workers, neighbors. You can pray for your pastors. You can just know one person. Josh, our sound guy, you can say, I see the guy in the green shirt every weekend. Lord, just bless him and keep him. Lord, just make goodness come to his life. It's just talking to the Lord. You don't have to, you can pray in the shower. In the car is the best fellowship I ever have with the Lord. And I don't know why I have not said, okay, well, I'm going to be distracted, but I'm alone sometimes in the car and so that's a time that I try to fill it with prayer even though I listen to worship that can be distracting because I really wish I could sing so I'm wishing 
you know, when I'm singing worship, I'm thinking, oh, I wish I could sing. So I use it as a time of prayer. Prayer is not just for someone else, but it's actually a spiritual glue. You know, in the past when they say if someone has offended you, pray for them. It's hard to be mad at someone that you pray for. Well, this is the reason why. If you pray for that person, it actually binds your heart to them. And it is harder to be mad because you're spiritually invested in them, not necessarily emotionally. Your spiritual investment transcends transcends the physical or the emotional investment. Uh, Your praying to God consists of conversation, just talking with God. You know, God, I just thank you for this day. Or, God, I'm really having a hard time. I'm having a bad attitude today. Help me. It can be requests for yourself or to someone else. That conversation can be praise. Just, God, thank you. You know, the other day I was just looking at everything in my life, and I was like, Lord, you've given me a really good life. God, thank you. And I just was remembering where I came from, and I was like, God, you've been so good to me. I think I miss out on that. So it can be praise. It can actually be questions. So I've come to debunk that myth that you can't ask God questions. God is very secure about who he is and what he said. He is not intimidated by our questions. He actually says in Malachi 3, try me, test me. And so we don't come irreverent, but we can say, God, why did this happen? Miss Pat and I, we had a a friend, Karen, and she uh, had cancer and Karen died. And that was a struggle for us. We would go and we would sing with her and we'd be there with her. We prayed, we believed, we anointed her with oil. We hopped on one foot. I mean, we did it all. And Karen still went to be with the Lord. And I struggled. We were adults. It's only been, what, five years now, four or five years And it was still a struggle for me. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? I've gotten some answers. I don't want to put anything out there because, you know, we have to search those things out for ourselves. But I did have questions for God. Uh, Prayer must be out of a heart filled with love and compassion. So you can't have bitterness in your heart and then pray for somebody. You can't be angry. You've got to deal with that first. So when my first husband went back to his ex-girlfriend and got her pregnant, but we were still married, uh, going through that whole divorce process was a lot of, uh, I felt a lot of shame. And so before I could pray for him because I didn't want to block the good life God had for me through bitterness and hatred and self-pity, I just would only say, Lord, help my heart. That's all I had for two years. Lord, help my heart toward him because I know you can't be in unforgiveness, and I had a whole lot of reasons to be mad. This thing cost me some stuff that I didn't know I would have to pay. And I said, Lord, help my heart. And over the years, because I know God was not going to let me out of that thing, if I ran into him in a target today, my heart would not flutter I would not be angry, but what I would say to him is, forgive me for my part, because we all have a part. I have asked the Lord, let me run into him. We, this, I lived in another state, so not in Texas. But I said, Lord, let me run into him so I can do this. But it took me seven years to get to that point. I'm a little bit ashamed that it took me seven years, but I'm so glad I'm there. But I began to pray for him, his family. I don't know anything about him, where he is, but I've prayed that for him. And when Tony got up and said, we're living the life now that we prayed for years ago, I think because I could release him, then the Lord brought me the best thing that could happen for me. Say that one more time. 
He brought me the best thing for me. I believe I could have married probably, I, it could have been a 50 different men I could have married, but none of them would have brought out the purpose of God in my life like Wilma Lafayette Harmon Jr. brings out in my life. So he is for me. All right. And being willing, uh, not only just having your heart filled with love and compassion. So if you have anger against somebody, ask the Lord to clean that out first. Pray for yourself first. And then uh, lastly, under prayer is be willing to persevere whether you see the results immediately or not. Parent, that's parents, that's a word for all of us. And sometimes we don't see the fruit of our investment, but we've got to persevere in prayer. I think I've told some of you this before, is I saw an illustration as a young lady that um, a pastor said, you know, we only have to pray when we pray and continue to ask God for something, then that's faithlessness. That was not the truth. And it took me years. Matter of fact, since we've been in the Angelica, have I gotten the truth and revelation on that? We are supposed to per- persevere in prayer. God gives us example after example. That's why you have to know the word. I didn't know the word of God then, and I took what that preacher said. Even though he had a good illustrated sermon, I took that to be gospel, and I have hindered my life because I didn't know what the word of God says. So in praying for one another, be willing to persevere in that prayer until you see the results. Please know this, believers, that sometimes we won't see the results of those prayers. I'm in a situation, I don't see the results of my prayers for that ex-husband. But I'm free because I'm free with God. But be willing to persevere, even with children, with, with, with family members. The more you pray for a person, the more tightly your heart will be knitted to theirs in a healthy way. Very good. Fantastic. Okay, so that's where we're going to close today. That's two out of 13. So we got a ways to go, but we will walk through this uh, uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, So powerful what you shared about prayer. Very good. So again, we're going to ask you to do two things this week. Beyond Sunday, there's Monday through Saturday. That's where we live out what we've heard here. None of this matters unless we're willing to apply what we've heard by the grace of God. Every instruction from God comes with the grace to do it. So God will never tell you to love fervently and to pray for one another without giving you the grace to do it. So we're going to ask you to stretch this week. Two things we're going to ask you to stretch on. Your love walk. And not just the people who are easy to love, but even the ones that challenge your love walk. We're also going to ask you to stretch with your prayer life. We have all our favorite people to pray for, our favorite things to pray for. But put Matthew 5.44 on the screen real quick if you can. And this is where I close. We close with this. Matthew 5.44, we're going to ask you to stretch your prayer life. Just as Pastor Wendy shared, she started to pray for her ex-husband. And that was part of her healing process. It's hard to hold on to things that you're praying about. So we're going to ask you to stretch. Is that on the screen? Matthew 5, 44. Thank you, Kelly, for being so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Resourceful, but there's a word that's like movement. No, not diligent. Agile. Agile. That's the word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Agile. Thank you for being so, I I just like, yeah. (laughs) 
So, so check this out. This is what it says about prayer and love. Who are we supposed to love? One another and your enemies. Love your enemies. That's what it means to stretch and to love fervently. Love your enemies. Maybe you don't have anything against them, but maybe they have something against you. Love them anyway. That's what it means to stretch. And then it goes on to say, bless those who curse you. Hold up, Jesus. Are you sure about that? Listen to what it says. It says, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. People who are doing you wrong, pray for them. But I just wanted to point out one word, and that's the word bless. That word bless comes from a Greek word, eulogio, where we get the word eulogy. And what that word eulogio means is speak well of. Somebody doing you wrong. The way I stretch my love, the way I stretch my love, my prayer, my prayer life and my prayer walk is as I'm praying for them. I'm not cursing them. I'm not praying that something bad is going to happen to them. As I'm praying and talking to God about them, I am speaking well of them. I've never been to a funeral where somebody in the casket got dogged out, even though they lived an imperfect life. Everybody who stepped up to that platform said something nice. You know what that means? That person that's dogging you out, you can find something nice about them to say and to pray. And as you do that, your heart will stretch like that rubber band. It will be enlarged and your capacity to love and to love well and experience authentic community will become a reality. Father, seal this word in our hearts. In Jesus' name.